All right, hope your weekend went well. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. How are we doing, Parker Thune? How was your weekend? Good? My weekend was fantastic, Steely. Like I, like, like I mentioned on Friday, the plans for the weekend really just involved going down to Waco for the gender reveal party for my best friend and his wife. Uh, I got the future cast correct. I was team boy, and they're having a boy. Hmm. So, so you put in a crystal ball one. for that? Nailed that one. I won a Mobetta's meal off another one of my friends by virtue of that bet. He was team girl. I was team boy. So came out of the weekend with a free Mobetta's meal to my credit somewhere down the line. And also I got to swing through Fairfield, Texas to Cooper Farms. Love that place. Got me a bushel of peaches. Millions of peaches. And I, and I finally listened to that song because – I've heard you say peaches for free, peaches for me too many times not to finally check out the song. So I did. And my immediate thought upon listening to that song was, how did this ever become popular? <laughs> the president, like a bad Nirvana parody. The presidents of the United States of America had that song and they had the song Lump and that was it. So anyway, I think peaches had a totally different uh, connotation in that song, however. All right, welcome in. Our first hour is always brought to you by Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Any uh, need that you uh, have to have addressed with your AC, they're the best. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. And as we get into fall and winter, also they will take care of uh, – your furnace, anything you need, heating and air needs, they are best addressed by Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. All right, so this week, uh, last week was a big one for the Sooners. Uh, the last big commit, obviously, you got Devon Mitchell recently. You got Jaden Jackson last Thursday. You got Ivan Carrion recently as well. The Sooners are moving on up like the Jeffersons in the recruiting rankings, 17 and on three, 26 and 247, number 30 in rivals. And this week looks to be – a big week for the University of Oklahoma. You've got Zion Raggins making a decision uh, tomorrow, the four-star wide receiver. And then you have a decision coming up Friday from Taylor Tatum, five-star running back. Both are right now, you know, people think they're headed to the University of Oklahoma, and I guess you're still feeling that way. Tuesday and Friday, OU, good news. I feel very good about where OU stands heading into the Zion Raggins decision tomorrow, and I feel similarly about Taylor Tatum on Friday. The Sooners appear to be in ideal position to land commitments from both of those players. Obviously, Raggins, the blue-chip wide receiver out of the state of Georgia, Oklahoma doing battle with Florida State and the Bulldogs down the stretch there. And it's OU-USC for Taylor Tatum. It is Mule Shoe versus DeMarco Murray. And in general, Steely, this is not exclusive to recruiting, but in general, if there is a battle to be had between Mule Shoe and DeMarco Murray, I give the edge to DeMarco Murray. Yeah, Sooner fans uh, can't wait till tomorrow again and on Friday. Hopefully it's going to be good news for OU fans. Uh, it appears uh, that it's headed in that direction tomorrow with Zion Raggins and then Friday with Taylor Tatum. July 31st, Michael Patterson-McDonald, the defensive back, also slotted for Oklahoma. Looks like that will go in the Sooners' direction. And then are we still thinking uh, August 1st, williams Winery uh, is a strong Oklahoma lean right now? He is a strong Oklahoma lean. I will be up in Lee's Summit tomorrow, as a matter of fact. That's where I'll be doing the Are show Are you from. taking a letter of intent? Um, <laughs> it's a little early for that, a little premature. 
But yes, I still feel very good about where Oklahoma stands in the race for Williams and Winnery. But yeah, going to go up to Lee's Summit tomorrow. Going to touch base with Nguyenary, as well as a couple of teammates that are OU leans as well in four-star 2025 wide receiver Isaiah Mosey and nose tackle Kamari Moore. There you go. All right, so uh, on Winnery, is it still, you know, people have talked, obviously, about Tennessee. They've talked about Oregon. Obviously, Georgia later in the process. Missouri fans are still clinging to some crazy hope they're going to get Williams Winnery. But it appears that Oklahoma is the leader there. And um, then you wait for Stone. Sooner fans want to get stoned as soon as possible. And I'm not talking about, Dan, uh, you know, uh, Gunny of Gunny Stutzman of Army. Army. I almost said Danny of Stutzman Army. Gunny, that's happening on a daily basis. You don't need to worry about that. But Sooner fans are waiting for that uh, domino to fall. And then you talk about Nigel Smith, Dominic McKinley, Danny Okoye, Zeno Mazzullo. Uh, Grant Bricks is still out there. Caden Durham is still out there. Who am I missing? Big names. We talked about, obviously, Raggins, Tatum, McDonald, uh, Winery, Stone, Nigel Smith, Dominic McKinley, Danny Okoye, Omazulu, Grant th- Bricks, Caden Durham. Yeah, I think you hit them all. Well, the uh, the new kid, like- the uh, offensive lineman. Which one would Who's that be? Who's picking OU over Texas? Eugene? Oh, Eugene Brooks. There Eugene you go. Brooks. Eugene, Eugene Brooks. Eugene Brooks. Yes, B.J. Yes. Brooks out of the state of California. And when do we think that's happening? It's going to be soon. I believe, and I've said this before, but I believe that's done by the end of the month. Don't have an exact date. Don't have an exact timetable. But uh, I know things are wrapping up quickly there. Any other new offers, any other rumors, lies, innuendo out there about OU recruiting you want to spill? I mean, as far as rumors, lies, and innuendo, I'm probably not as well-versed in those things. But <laughs> And here comes Gunny of Stutzman Army. <laughs> let's go. I'm here. I'm high. Let's fly. But here's an interesting question from a listener in the 405. If OU gets both these guys, referencing Tatum and Caden Durham, do they even bring in a running back next season? Which is a very valid question, because at that point, that would be seven running back signees over the course of DeMarco Murray's last three cycles. Now, they have made a plethora of offers at the running back position in 2025, and I, I imagine that the plan of attack would be to bring in one. Because I think you have a healthy understanding these days, with the era of college football that we're in, that... You're going to lose a guy or two to the portal eventually. And it's possible to keep your dudes bought in if they believe in you and they're not deterred by a logjam on the depth chart. But if we're being realistic here, is Oklahoma going to be able to retain all seven of those running backs for the course of their three, four, five years of college football? The smart answer is no. And so you always want to be looking ahead to whoever the next guy you might bring in could be, even if you have good numbers at that position. So DeMarco Murray is going to chum the waters in the 2025 class. Do they need to bring in another running back as we projected out right now? No, probably not. Running back's not going to be a position where you feel like you got to have somebody in the class of 2025 or if you don't land a four- or five-star kid that – it's somehow a failure. No, I think you have enough enough depth that you can proceed comfortably knowing that whatever the outcome in the 2025 class, you still have more than adequate depth 
but it's about maintaining that depth for years to come, not just having it for a year or two at a time. Yeah, and, and we know what they have this year, obviously, with Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk look really good in the cheesy bowl. They've got a good combination there, and you've still got you know guys that have been here for a while that uh, you know could get a couple carries as well. Marcus Major might get his share, obviously. But then the, they feel good about Caleb Hicks and uh, Hollywood Smothers so far, too. The re- early reports there are pretty good. Yeah, Caleb Hicks is turning some heads, man. Turning some heads in a big way. And that puts the heat more so than anybody else on Marcus Major because Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk have already seemingly supplanted him on the depth chart. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that, but he's going to face some healthy heat from Caleb Hicks and potentially Dale and Smothers as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But again, uh, by the way, what are the chances that sleazy scumbag Mule Shoe pulls an upset Friday? Very low. Two out of ten? Very, very 20%. low. 20%? No, I wouldn't even give Lower, it 20%. Lower? 5%? 5%. Call 6.66%? Yes, there you go. That's the perfect number. I don't think the OU fans could take a loss on this Taylor Tatum deal to Mule Shoe. I, I you know, what time is it happening Friday? Do we have a time yet? Uh, I don't believe we have a time. Not off the top of my head. Another listener want to know is Andy Bass off the board for OU now? No, and that's partially because Andy Bass's scholarship at Oklahoma is similar to that of Chapman McCown in that it doesn't technically count towards the football eighty-five. So uh, they can and will make room for Andy Bass, however they can. How uh, I. I I think what you need to understand, though, is that if you're in Bass's shoes, right, and Oklahoma gets commitments from three other running backs and they have commitments from five other wide receivers and you are a speed, skilled, open space type of guy that wants to play offense, it only makes sense that that would kind of diminish your eagerness to play football at Oklahoma because naturally you're left wondering. That's not, and that's not to say that uh, – Andy Bass lacks a competitive edge or a competitive streak even, but you're left wondering, okay, would I be better served given the other Power 5 offers that I have to go somewhere else and perhaps see an easier or earlier path to playing time? Yeah. Kid looks like an athlete. There's no doubt about that. He's He's got some ability. No question if you've seen his uh, highlight tape. And look, everybody's highlight tape. It's a highlight tape. It's not a low light tape. But you can also see that that kid does have uh, have, have some speed, got some quickness, uh, and it looks like a pretty good player. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're just underway here on a Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We are August 3rd is the start of uh, camp for the Sooners on a Thursday. So two weeks from this Thursday, uh, camp will get underway for the University of Oklahoma. We've got SEC Media Days underway. Greg, Greg Sankey, the commissioner, addressing uh, the media members right now. The announcement came out that SEC Media Days next year will be in Dallas. So and that's to this be very we say yes and amen. There we go. Yes it's, and amen. It's going to be interesting. And remember, fans can go to SEC Media Days. So that means Coach T does Dallas, ladies and gentlemen. Just get ready. All right, we're going to break. We've got Jesse Crittenden coming up on the Riverwind Casino Hotline later today. one we'll talk Sooner Football with Jesse. 135 again today, right here on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. We're just getting cranked up. Let's go to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line when we get back. 405-651-3439. That's around the corner right here on the ref. 
Welcome back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Monday. Hope everybody had a tremendous weekend, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're going there in just a second. Riverwind Casino, get out there and play with your wild card today. Get the extra entries they're offering uh, on Mondays, also on Sundays in the 60K double play and double winnings promotion. So uh, if you didn't get out there yesterday, you can still get five times the entries uh, by playing with your wild card today and then be out there Friday and Saturday night through July 29th for the big drawings they'll have from 7 to 1130, both Friday and Saturday nights, where you're going to have a couple winners getting $400 in cash or $400 in bonus play every half hour. So a ton of winners in the preliminary drawings. And then on Friday and Saturday, they also have the grand prize drawings happening just before midnight where a couple grand prize winners are going to be selected to receive $1,000 in cash or $1,000 in bonus play. We've got a big concert at the Showplace Theater happening Friday night, Collective Soul That'll be a heck of a show. That's happening Friday night at the Showplace Theater. Get some tickets. There's still some available at Riverwind.com. Or if you're at the casino, just head over to the box office right over there by the Showplace Theater and get your tickets for the Collective Soul Show this Friday night. And then Friday night, July 28th, we have Josh Turner. And then a Saturday comedy show from uh, Gabriel Iglesias coming up Saturday, July 29th. Always something happening at the one and only Riverwind Casino, that is why they are simply the best. All right, let's get some text in here early. We have Jesse Crittenden coming up at 135 today. What do we have, Parker? A few interesting ones here. First off, Gunny of Stutzman Army wants to know, would any time I praise the ref be considered high praise since most of the time I'm high and whatnot? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a lie, that's for sure. Big Rich in OKC says... Andy Bass is a very exciting player and leader that lifts the players around him. We need him. Well, we'll see. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It depends on how crowded the room's going to be. And, you know, a lot of these rooms are getting pretty crowded to know you right now, correct? Uh, so we'll see uh, again uh, what decision he makes and what decision the Sooners make and see how it plays out. But I do think the kid definitely has some ability. And I'll take your word on that, Big Rich. A listener here in the 405 says, what happened with Casey Poe? Well, Alabama. Nick Saban happened. Nick Saban happens every now and again. Yeah. So, yeah. It's Alabama for Casey Poe. From another 405 listener. I apologize if you are having to repeat your thoughts, but could you please give me an abbreviated version of your thoughts? At what point... Does it become important for someone like David Stone to go ahead and commit? Why wouldn't he go ahead and commit if it is true, as many seem to think, that his commitment becomes a good recruiting tool for other players? It seems it would be important for him and others to commit. Sorry for the long text. Hopefully that all makes sense. Yes, no, it all, it all, it all makes sense. It all makes perfect sense. Uh, why David Stone hasn't committed yet? I Look, nobody knows but the kid. Nobody knows but him. I feel like most, if not all, across the industry would agree that is a heavy Oklahoma lean. That's a guy that has really made no secret of the fact that he is leaning Oklahoma. No secret of the fact. I mean, for years now, Oklahoma is where his heart is. 
I don't know why he hasn't committed yet. I don't know when he's officially going to commit, and I don't know why there is the constant social media charade where he teases commitments and get the fans hyped up, and then you know it's the whole exercise all over again the next week. I I don't know. He's a five star having fun with the recruiting process. That's his prerogative. Can't really fault him for it. I understand that as a fan, as a diehard Oklahoma Sooners loyalist, what you want is for the kid to commit so that this recruiting class can go to the next level and so that he can help recruit blue chip talent to Norman alongside him in this 2024 cycle. But here's the deal. That's an individual. That's a 17-year-old kid. I I I actually think he's still 16. But... He's living life the way that he wants to, and he doesn't know anybody anything as far as when he commits, how he commits, and it's just one of those things that as a fan, you got to be willing to come along for the ride. You know, the bottom line is right now, though, the way things uh, are, are shaping up, if you look at his tweets and how this class is unfolding and the work that I believe that David Hicks has done behind the scenes, and sometimes not even behind the scenes, it appears that this would be a huge shocker if he doesn't wind up at Oklahoma. And Sooner fans will be devastated if he doesn't pick Oklahoma because he's an in-state kid, he's a five-star. What have Oklahoma fans been clamoring for? A big-time interior defensive lineman. You've got one in your own backyard. Yes, you can talk about IMG and where he is and all of that stuff, but the Dell City uh, roots that he has – uh, so many friends who played high school football in the state of Oklahoma, even those who left like Kadem Durham to go play in Texas. Uh, it would be a huge shocker right now if David Stone doesn't wind up at Oklahoma. And it would be devastating for Oklahoma fans. But to me, all the signs are there that he's coming to Oklahoma. Uh-huh. All the signs are there. Well, and Chuck wants to know, Parker, is there a point where the coaches say enough is enough, are you coming or not? Not with well, Stone. I, I, no, I wouldn't no, think so. No. Because if they didn't if they didn't draw the line in the sand with Peyton Bowen, they absolutely are not going to do it with David Stone. Did I say David Hicks? I'm sorry, David Stone. I'm my bad. We got True. a lot of David Hicks texts early on this Monday morning, which is interesting. I guess it's Monday afternoon. But we've gotten actually several texts about DJ Hicks. Sarks Vodka said after twenty twenty three and Hicks collects his bag, he will come back. To his best relational coach in Todd Bates, oh, you will offer a solid NIL deal. David Hicks, PJ Nwaneri, and David Stone will all play together in the SEC in 2024. Hot takes on this Monday morning, and I'm here to stir the pot with gut feelings. I don't know that you could rule that out. I mean, we talked about that David Stone, or (laughs) DJ Hicks, could eventually find his way back to the University of Oklahoma. That could happen. Now, you know, I'd put it at about a... I don't know, what, a 15% chance maybe or something right now. We'll see how it plays out at A&M. But, um, you know, unless people in the know just didn't have any idea what the kid was all about, talking about D.J. Hicks now, it looked like that was going Oklahoma's way until the very last moment. And if it was about a relationship with the coaching staff, it would have been OU as his pick. Correct. So, if he gets his money, doesn't like the A&M, maybe he would like to come back to OU. Oh, you never know. Here's a question from the 580. OU NIL being what it is now, had David Hicks been in the 24 class, would he still have gone to A&M? Uh, 
I, I'm sure you're all going to want me to say no, but my answer is yes. He would still have gone to A&M because that was not a battle. That was not a financial battle that A&M was going to lose. And if Oklahoma couldn't have outbid A&M, what was going to swing that seesaw, if you will, what was going to make the decision on top of the money was proximity. And dad wanted him at A&M. I mean, heck, you heard Samuel Masigo say it at the All-American game back in January. DJ Hicks wanted to be at Oklahoma, but Dad wanted him at A&M, and A&M was willing to pay. Yeah, that was a strange press conference. I can still see the look on Mama's face, too, right? <laughs> it was kind of like, all right, so I guess we're bought now, man. All right, and the dad, like I said, he looked like, man, the mortgage just got paid, fam. We're good. So, uh, Ohio Sooner says on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, by the way, who are the other suitors for David Stone? Which, Ohio Sooner, no disrespect to you, I'm in the same age group. I'm putting you in the 45 to 64 age group for the use of the word suitors. Really? I think so. I I use that word. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying a lot of the kids don't say that. So, suitors, I'm uh, Ohio Sooner, let us know your age. I'm saying it's in the 4564 demo. And that's a good demo. I'm just saying. So, who else is in the mix? Uh, everybody was kind of getting a little leery of Michigan State for a while, right? Yeah, but I mean, that hasn't been a thing in months. At this point, it's very clearly OU and everyone else. I guess, really, ask any other beat. Any other recruiting insider that covers any other team that's recruiting David Stone, and they'll tell you the exact same thing. Yeah, that kid's going to Oklahoma. By the way, Ohio Sooner, 31 years old. My bad. I was a little ways off. Ohio Sooner, that's a good word to use, though. You don't hear the kids use it that much. That means you have an extensive vocabulary. Maybe not quite as extensive as Parker Thune, but I I think yours is pretty solid then, would be my guess. At what point... This comes from a 405 listener. At what point do you wonder if Stone is a team guy and coachable? Other five stars have committed. A five star doesn't have to draw attention to himself like this. Honest question, nothing personal. He may be the finest young man ever. Yeah, look, David Stone is a fine young man. The way an individual handles the recruiting process is not necessarily indicative of that individual's character. For instance, what did we say all summer, all fall, and all winter about Peyton Bowen's recruitment last year. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's the parents. It's the family situation. Do not read too much into this whole fiasco and draw conclusions about who Peyton Bowen is as a person. And he's gotten to the University of Oklahoma, and he's been arguably the brightest star amongst a star-studded group of early enrollees. And nothing, nobody has had a bad word to say about the kid. There's been nothing that you can knock him on. The interviews I've seen with David Stone seems like a personable kid. Seems like he's got a good attitude. I I think you said it right. I think he's having fun with this recruiting process. But, again, I would be absolutely stunned if he didn't pick the University of Oklahoma. Sooner Co. Wetzel says, I use the word suitors and I'm 29. My apologies to the younger crowd who loves the word suitors. There you go. All right, we got to take a break right here. Got a lot of good texts rolling in, as usual. 405-651-3439. 
Tomorrow, Zion Raggins Day, the wide receiver, four-star. Friday, we're hearing, by the way, one of our texters said 11 a.m. Oklahoma time for Taylor Tatum. Five-star running back happening on Friday. Both look like they're headed to the University of Oklahoma with a commitment. Again, tomorrow for Raggins, Friday for Tatum. Coming right back with more right here on The Ref. All right, we are back here on a Monday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, low-down, dirty scumbag Brian Kelly right now at the podium. Shares the same agent with Muleshoot. They both ran. Brian Kelly, pretty good coach. Human being? Mm, Questionable. Left that kid in the scaffolding. Horrible, horrible, horrible decision. Horrible outcome. I don't like the man. Plus, he's trying, you know, the southern accent and the dancing. I mean, and uh, I feel like you, in your mind, and really in a lot of people's minds, Brian Kelly became a lot more hateable once he took that LSU job. Yes. I don't know if it was directly correlated to the fake Cajun accent or whether it was simply his decision to affiliate with Louisiana State University, but he had a lot more haters. Within the span of mere days after no he doubt. took that LSU. No job. doubt, no doubt. And if you're affiliated with LSU, you're <clears> – I don't know. I don't think that's a good <laughs> thing. I don't think it's a good thing in my opinion because I think LSU and the fans from LSU are the worst. They make Texas Tech fans look like they're cool. Really? Yes. You're going to go there. That's how bad the LSU fans are. They make Texas Tech fans look like they're cool. I never thought I would hear you say those words about any I fan base. know. Lubbock and Texas Tech, I'm not a fan of either. But because I'm not sure I know anyone that hates Texas Tech more than you. In my grumpy old man years, which have been going on for a while now, though, LSU is the worst. Okay, uh, Greg Sankey did address the media, the SEC commissioner. Let's hear a couple things, what he had to say. Here is Greg Sankey talking about the SEC deciding to go this year, of course, with the eight-game conference schedule. I really think our eight-game schedule is pretty remarkable. Like, when we were going through the final filtering, you'd say, wow, you know, Schedule A is tough. And then you'd, like, be at Schedule G, and you're like, wow, that school's got a tough schedule. And all the way through, there are 16 really challenging schedules. But there are some important, um, we'll call them rivalry games. And we're going to have to have a decision about do we play those every year or do we play some of them every other year. In the eight-game format, we can protect one on an annual basis and the other seven rotate. Uh, in the nine-game format, we know we can protect up to three, rotate the other six, and achieve both that fairness and that balance issue. And that will be right in front of us again. All right. I love Greg Sankey. That's our Ortho Central clip of the day, by the way. Thanks to our friends at Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now that brand-new Tri-City location, Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They do the best job at treating orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. That is our Ortho Central clip of the day. I've got one more from Sankey. But I love it. Who is the uh, Nimrod uh, deputy commissioner? Uh, that The Nimrod? Tim Weiser. He was on with John Cruz. Yes, the Tim Weiser. K-State. And he's talking about, well, I'm going to laugh like an unwilling bride or whatever. It's like that dude was stuffed in a locker earlier in life and somehow escaped and became somewhat successful. But we – we don't have enough Nimrods out there either. What is a Nimrod? I'm going to have to look up that definition. Hopefully we can say it on the air. So anyway, he said that Oklahoma followed Texas like an unwilling bride. And Greg Sankey was quoted over the weekend. He was asked about that quote, and he said, no, 
that's fiction. 100% not true. Sankey doesn't mess around. He's like the Don Corleone of commissioners right now. If you're talking about the five families, you know, he is Carlo Gambino back in the day. Very powerful. Not Paul Castellano or not John Gotti. Uh, Castellano was too uh, too much of a loner, uh, just a business guy. John Gotti was too out there, too flashy. You knew eventually, even though he was Teflon Don, he'd be taken down. But Carlo Gambino was the man for years. That's Greg Sankey. These other Power Five conference commissioners, I like Brad Yormark, but he's not Carlo Gambino. By the way, before we hear from Greg Sankey again, I need to get your rapid thoughts on the rebranding of the OU Texas series as the Red River Rivalry. Because I like it because it rolls I, off the tongue. I, I well, that's precisely why I do not like it because I do not feel as though it rolls off. Ah, the tongue. you have problems. There with are that one. way too many R's. Red River rivalry. You can't like try and say that five times fast, Steely. Red River rivalry. 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 <laughs> See, you made it through, but barely. Yeah, barely. Five R's. That's five a lot R's. Of R's. It, like, it ought to flow naturally. It shouldn't be a tongue twister, in essence. So you liked the showdown. Was I, it the showdown? It listen, was the Red River showdown, right? I liked the Red River shootout. That is always what I will know it as. Well, that is always what it will be that because of in the my heart of hearts. connotations with the firearms. Yes, just obviously, like the that's Washington, why it went away. Just like the Washington bullets went away because of that. But let's see. Uh, Nimrod definition I have here. Cherokee Sooner says the Nimrod deputy commissioner is Vito Genovese. Yes. <laughs> you know your mafia stuff. So anyway, the Tim Weiser dude. Um, well, we'll get to that later. But Nimrod is a foolish or inept person. So there you go. Thank you, Sean, by the way. Thank you. All right. Uh, here's what Greg Sankey said when he was asked today, moments ago at SEC Media Days, about whether or not the SEC is done expanding now. Do I think it's done? Um, people will say, well, I get to decide that. Right now it appears others are going to decide that before we have to make any decisions. And so my view is we know who we are. We're comfortable as a league. We're focused on our growth to 16. We've restored rivalries. We're geographically contiguous with the right kind of philosophical alignment. And we can stay at that level of super conference. When you go bigger, there are a whole other set of factors that have to be considered. And I'm not sure I've seen those teased out other than in my mind late at night. That ought to be the new slogan. The Southeastern Conference, geographically contiguous with the right philosophical alignment. <laughs> yes, that would go over very well in a brainstorming session right there. But um, I'm just happy we brought another word back. We've, we've got schmuck now on the way back. We've got shyster on the way back. Shyster is definitely Lincoln Riley, mule shoe. Schmuck, Brian Kelly's a schmuck, and that uh, Tim Weiser dude is a Nimrod. Here's, here's what I need, Steely. I When's need... the last time you called anybody a Nimrod? I don't know that I ever have okay. in my life. But Start what I need, it. what we need to do this week, throughout the course of the week, in our time in the office, is we need to come up with one of those enormous circular Venn diagrams <laughs> with three circles. The circles are schmuck, shyster, and nimrod. Obviously, mule shoe <laughs> will be in the center. 
Right, Mule Shoe yeah, will be where all, all three them, circles that, intersect. That's right. They convene in the middle with Mule Shoe. But we need to categorize everyone else that would fall into any or all of those uh, circles. Didn't Green Day have an album called Nimrod? Yes, I think they, they did. did. Yes. It was their 1997 album. Wow. Pretty good knowledge of the Green Day catalog right there. Very impressive. All right. Do we have time for one or two more uh, texts real quick? Let's do that. <laughs> Wally and Bixby says, is Nimrod euphemistically similar to Numb Nuts? <laughs> Sooner Soldier says, SEC is all together. Look at how the Big Ten will have teams all over the country. Man. USC and UCLA just makes no sense. I cannot wait to see. Well, if Mule Shoe's still around long term, um, them going to play like in Ann Arbor in just a complete snowstorm and just get throttled by Michigan. That would be awesome. Absolutely awesome. All right, we got to take a break right here. Good stuff coming in on the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line 405 651 3439. Thanks to Tyler McComas for our uh, Greg Sankey audio. Steely, why isn't Liar by Three Dog Night on your Mule Shoe playlist? You know, my good friend David suggested that. So, and he did that a long time ago. Liar by Three Dog Night. We'll put it on the playlist. Good suggestion. All right, stay with us. Be right back here on The Ref. It's Mike Steely and Parker Thune with you on a Monday right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref Radio Network. Good to have you with us on this Monday. What else happened over the weekend? Rory won the uh, Scottish Open. Those last two iron shots were money. And we have the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool and Holy Lake uh, this week. Some big Is an Irishman there. allowed to win the Scottish Open? I believe so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not yeah. an automatic disqualification? No, I don't think so. Okay. No. So it was good. Rory got it done. Uh, Open Championship this week at Royal Liverpool. Uh, Tiger won there in 2006 when he dusted uh, Sergio. Uh, Rory won there in 2014. Some good players have won there over the years. Walter Hagen, legendary player way back in the 20s. Bobby Jones in the 30s. Peter Thompson in the 50s. So it'll be a fun final major of the season. Did you watch any of the uh, Wimbledon final? Carlos Alcaraz winning over uh, Novak Djokovic yesterday in five sets. I did not watch that, no. Did not even know that happened. It was a good match. So you're not a tennis guy at all? I'm not a huge tennis guy, but I sat down and watched. I thought, you know what? I need to watch all the Wimbledon final, and I did. But I miss the days of McEnroe Borg, McEnroe Connors. I mean, we would have breakfast in Wimbledon, and we would go get uh, like 24 Bud Longnecks back in the day. Back when you could buy Anheuser-Busch products and not be scorned. Way back in the day and have our breakfast at Wimbledon. That's what we did senior year Norman High School on into the fraternity house. That uh, that tradition continued. Uh, OU softball, as we said, Carly Keeney, again, the Liberty pitcher, did uh, make it official Friday, transferring to Oklahoma. The Sooners also got Peyton Monticelli from Wisconsin, uh, awaiting word on Kelly Maxwell or Elena Botter. Uh, Taryn Kern playing th- seems to think that's probably not going to be happening for OU, but we'll see what's going to happen. Uh, and the Oklahoma City Thunder did wrap up uh, summer league play. Chet Holmgren looked good. I thought Usman Jang had a nice, you know, he started slow, finished very well. Keontae Johnson, their second-round pick, looked, I thought, really good. Trey Mann, before they uh, shut him down for the summer, uh, had some good things. They've got some difficult roster decisions to make, obviously, before the start of next season. 
All right. Uh, let's go back to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. Steely, why isn't Liar by Three Dog Night on your Mule Shoe playlist? Yeah, I we, think that's not the first time we've had that yeah, suggested. We did get that addressed, and like I said, my friend uh, David uh, Cornelison is a musician. He's a he probably even knows as much as not more of the music stuff than I do, and I'm pretty good. But he suggested that for the Mule Shoe playlist. Yes, which is more likely? OU goes undefeated this season. Or Mule Shoe leaves USC before their bowl game this year. It's definitely Mule Shoe leaving USC. You think so? Yes, I do. Oklahoma's not going undefeated, Steely. I don't think so either, but you seemed, uh, even when Lincoln Riley took that job, you have always been in the mindset that he's going to go wherever Caleb Williams goes and that it's only a matter of time before he heads to the NFL. You still feel that way. Yes, the over-under at the outset on Mule Shoe's tenure at USC was 4.5 years. I have staunchly been team under all along. I remain team under. So you think this is it for Mule Shoe at SC this year? Or you think you'll ride it out with Malachi Nelson for a year? Man, it depends on – I think it just depends on which team is in position to draft Caleb Williams at the end of the season. I think Mule Shoe being the snake that he is. Mm, Very snaky. Slithering right now somewhere. It's probably going to take a look at whatever car, uh, whatever hand of cards, if you will, that particular NFL team that sits in possession of the number one overall draft pick has at their disposal. And also, like I, I'm kind of operating under the automatic assumption that whoever has the number one pick has fired their head coach. I get that that's not totally a given, but generally that's the case, right? You have the number one pick, you just fired a coach. I'm of the opinion that if it makes sense, if it makes logistical sense for Mule Shoe to follow Caleb Williams into the NFL and ride his coattails to an NFL franchise, he's going to do it. Because I think he knows as well as anyone, and especially if you've been paying attention to the acquisitions USC has made via the transfer portal this offseason, you understand they are gunning for a title in 2023. It does not seem to me that Mule Shoe is in it for the long haul. It seems to me that he is doing everything he can to make sure the Trojans are ideally positioned to win a national championship in the year 2023 because I think he understands that there is no quarterback on the face of the earth quite like Caleb Williams. And so, and he can hand the job to his buddy Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe. Makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? The only thing is Mule Shoe likes easy. Yeah, exactly, which is why I'm saying, like, I mean, because if, people, Cowherd will like say, what a job he did. USC with the right coach has always been a sleeping giant. And you add the best quarterback in college football and you add some of the other guys they did in the portal, you know, Jordan Addison, uh, who's the running back from Oregon that they uh, added last year that got hurt. Travis Dye. Travis Dye. I mean, their defense, again, was a sieve. But, again, that offense is really good. And guess what? Mule Shoe is good with offense. But he also likes easy. He does like easy, and that's why I'm saying, like, I think it has to make sense. For instance, if the 2016 Cleveland Browns are in position to draft Caleb Williams, if that's the type of team that holds the number one selection in the NFL draft next year, Muleshoe's probably not eager to jump into a situation like that with both feet. But 
if it's the type of deal where, say, it's the Arizona Cardinals, say injuries continue to plague Kyler Murray and he has a falling out with management, which we know that relationship has been strained for a while anyway. Let's just say the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are on the outs at the end of the year and the Cardinals sucked and they have the number one pick. There are enough pieces there. There's enough weapons on both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball that Mule Shoe could probably slide right into that situation, slither, if you will, and you throw Caleb Williams into the equation and they're back to playoff contention pretty immediately. Yeah, look, it's it's smart to look for a situation when you're going to succeed. I, I get that, where you're going to succeed. But at the same time, you know, it just still makes me angry that uh, he had the keys to the Mercedes and decided not good enough. Crimes against the University of Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, and the Sooner Nation. The Benedict Arnold of Crimson and Cream is what he is. Are you going to forgive him one day? No. Not only no H to the E to the double L, no. You do not convict, you do not commit those kind of crimes against Oklahoma football. And that's what he did. He was more fer- phony than uh, Fernie, more Fernie, more phony than Bertie Madoff. He deceived you. He didn't take your money, but he did deceive you. Now you've got a man that is trying to do it the right way. Please win 10 games. Brent Venables, sounds good. Let's make it better on the field, though, this year, this fall. You've got to head into the SEC. All right, let's get out of here for hour number one. Jesse Crittenden next hour. More of your text next hour. Stay with us. We are talking with you. That's right. I am watching the SEC Media Days, and uh, I'm focused in on uh, Greg Sankey, Brian Kelly. Already met the media earlier. you got Jimbo Fisher. That's going to be interesting. Hillbilly meets the media coming up at uh, 145. Eli Drinkwitz coming up at uh, – he's going to be coming up after Jimbo at some point. Anyway, if you want to see clearly, ladies and gentlemen, who doesn't? Yeah, I want to see blurry. Can I please have blurry vision? You need to be clear. You need to have eagle vision. You need 20-20 or even stronger than that. And you can attain that if you get to meet my guy, Dr. Millardo. And you can do that. Dr. Millardo and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center of Oklahoma, 405-755-7700. Get your free consultation from Dr. Millardo himself. You can go online to ALCOK.com and uh, see if you're a candidate to get lens replacement or cataract surgery. They're the best in the business. They've been doing it longer than anybody else. If you're over 40 like me and I'm approaching 60 next month, you're farsighted, you're nearsighted, they can get you taken care of, get you seeing better than you have in a long, long time. Go to ALCOK.com. Or give them a call at 405-755-7700. Get your free consult from Dr. B. If you want to see far, you want to see near, you know what they say, you have to come here to the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center. I am seeing, and I saw some suggestions on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, that Nimrod was also a biblical figure. And he was. I don't remember studying Nimrod, though, in Bible school, like Sunday school. 
He was a very minor character in the Old Testament, Steely. Well, it says Involved that... with the construction of the Tower of Babel, which, of course, was a short-lived endeavor. Mm-hmm. He also says he's the great-grandson of Noah. But And the Nimrod I see depicted here in this uh, painting does not look like the Nimrod that you could stuff in a locker back in <laughs> high school or junior high school. Does anyone from an ancient painting look like that, though? I don't know, probably a portrait of Pee Wee Herman or something, if there's one out there, maybe. But Nimrod looks like a badass, like he could be a pro wrestler or something. Yeah, everybody looks like that in those paintings. You think, <laughs> think Michelangelo ever painted somebody without biceps? No, Michelangelo is he... the greatest artist of all time. And not only that, sculptor, architect, painter, the best. The very best. He didn't. Michelangelo was not the type of guy to spend time depicting individuals with the pale skin glow of basement dwelling. I mean, David was pretty well built. You can go over in Italy, and he's not even wearing any underwear or anything in that statue. I'm just saying, kind of tawdry. Uh. <laughs> Somebody said Michelangelo the turtle. Not exactly. Uh, K-Dub in the 918 says, on the whole Mule Street conversation, he likes easy, but he's going to go take a pro job? Come on, guys. Think this through. He's not going anywhere. No, that's exactly, that's exactly why I believe it makes sense for him to take a pro job is because he likes easy. And pro jobs are easier in terms of responsibilities than college jobs. But now Mule Street of Caleb Williams, who's going to get the number one pick? Who's the worst team in the NFL heading into this season? Is there, like, an I don't know. odds-on I'd favorite? Have, I would have to look at the odds right off the top of my head, but who knows? Um, like, I don't have a clue. Let me see. There's no- the worst team. But is Mule Shoe going to go? If they get Caleb Williams, which obviously they will, um, I could – what if he replaced, like, um, Sean McVay? Or went to San Diego or somewhere else. Mm, Sean McVay, th- the Rams. That's does he have to be aligned with Caleb Williams? Yes, yes, I I believe so. Now, um, what you must consider about NFL jobs versus collegiate jobs, K Dub and the nine one eight and others, is that you know what you don't have to do in the NFL that you have to do a whole lot of in college football as a head coach. Recruiting. Recruiting. You don't have to recruit in the NFL. You have a roster of 53 players as opposed to 100-plus at the collegiate level. You have 53 players that you have to manage. That's it. All you got to do beyond that is scout some potential draft picks with your staff. NFL jobs in comparison to collegiate jobs, if you're just talking about responsibilities – now, you can argue expectations, like it's more of a meat grinder in the NFL than it is in college football, and I think in general that would be true. But I'll use a guy like Matt Rule as a perfect example of this. If you make the jump from college football to the NFL and fall flat on your face, you know what's waiting for you? A cushy upper echelon collegiate job. Because... Whenever it happens, like whenever somebody makes that jump and fails, Nick, heck, Nick Saban did it, right? 
Nick Saban tried to go college to the NFL. Didn't work out with Miami Dolphins. He went straight to Alabama and became the greatest college football coach of the modern era. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't work out for you at the NFL, you know what they're going to say about Muleshoe? Oh, you know, his, his style of coaching, it just isn't suited to the NFL. But obviously it works in college. Obviously he knows what he's doing at the collegiate level. So the worst possible job he could get off a miserable NFL tenure would be the Alabama OC job. The Bill O'Brien trajectory. Either that or he'll land on his feet somewhere at the Power 5 level as a head coach. The uh, the odds that I'm seeing the Arizona Cardinals, uh, most of the odds have them with the best chance to, uh, to get the number one pick and have a horrible record. Texans, Buccaneers, Commanders. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, you know, I would like it if he went to the NFL because I'm still too angry and I don't like having to worry about what USC's doing. I don't like them in the championship mix. So, yes, I'm just that shallow. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But, um, I, so I would like him in the NFL so I could just forget about the dude. Topher B says, would Lincoln Riley go to Detroit? Can you imagine Lincoln Riley in Detroit? I don't think so. Doesn't seem like the greatest of cultural fits. He'd probably get shanked. I would like to see if they got rid of Dan Campbell, like when if Dan Campbell got would like a tag mule shoe at an introductory news conference, then that would be cool because <laughs> that would be if you went Dan Campbell to mule shoe. Oh. The most testosterone of any <laughs> NFL head coach to the least. Oh, man. All right, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Ken Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll talk more Sooner football with Jesse Crittenden coming up at uh, 135 today on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. What do we have on the text line? Uh, Johnny from UConn says, Tampa Bay and Parker is stuck with him. No! Don't speak that evil upon me, Johnny. Oh, from that would be so bad. He would go. You would go insane. If yes. That happened. And then another listener in the four hundred two says Parker would love Carl's Jr. in Tampa. Oh, don't you know it? But would also despise it if Muleshoe followed. Yeah, I would have to switch my allegiances, which I would hate tough. to do. But I, I, I can't root for Muleshoe, Steely. That's uh, you know that's when you know you've crossed over to the dark side if you start rooting for him in any way. Okay, 405-651-3439. Again, we have Jesse Crittenden on the way coming up. Hey, uh, Brent and uh, Plank played this clip, and I'm not sure if Brent was asked about this specifically and what the uh, context of a question might have been, but he sure was talking up Connor Neer, DeJounterry, and Philip Pyatt the other day. What are we thinking there? He was really particularly high, it sounded to me, like on Connor Near. How much playing time, how many snaps do you think Connor Near's going to get? I, it's hard to gauge right now until fall camp comes around and we get an idea of what Connor Near looks like against Power 5 athletes as opposed to Division 2 athletes. Now, where was he in Division 2 again? Ferris State. Ferris Which, State. You know, back-to-back national champions. So, he was a D2 All-American. He was playing at the highest level in D2 both on an individual level and a team level. He was competing and performing at the highest level, but Division Two is a whole heck of a lot different than the Power Five, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, why are you trying to suppress a giggle? <laughs> what is it? This is what pops in my mind. 
Ferris State, you know who their top NIL donor is? Who is it? Abe Froman. <laughs> Sorry. That was what popped in my mind. I couldn't help it. But, I mean, he would be, right? Ferris State, Abe Froman would be the biggest NIL contributor to Ferris State University. My apologies. But that's how my brain works sometimes. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So, Dejan Terry coming in from Tennessee. Yep. Philip Pia was Utah State, right? Yep, Utah State. Um, I don't know. There's going to be somebody that either breaks into the rotation or maybe gets a start that we don't expect. Who would be at the top of that list? Anybody that you can think of? Maybe Jordan Kelly? Yeah. It's because the experience factor, man, and he's been at Oklahoma so long. He was really making some strides towards the end of last season. Had a pretty decent showing in the bowl game, and all indications were that he had a good spring from everything I heard. So maybe Jordan Kelly is the guy that we're not talking about enough at defensive tackle. Reggie Grimes has kind of disappeared from the conversation. And, man, he got up to such a great start last year. Such a great start. And then it was womp, womp, womp after that rest of the way. So uh, so there's no chance it's like Danny Stutzman, Connor Neer starting a linebacker. Well, I wouldn't say there's no chance. I think there's Because the OU fans love some Jaron Kanick, and they will go crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're going to want Jaron Kanick. Yeah, that's who they're going to want to see. The vast majority of fans will want to see the top 100 recruit from a couple years ago that ran a 10.300 meters in high school as opposed to the D2 transfer. No now, it's no knock on Connor Neer, but yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. fa- fans have simple minds. Not all fans, but many fans have simple minds. They see, oh, Jaron Kanick, blue chip recruit. Oh, Connor Neer, Division II, Ferris State transfer. I want Jaron Kanick. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we need to play Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, into the break now. <laughs> as well. Because you heard it. You heard him right here. Parker Thune said you have Simple Minds. And we've got Simple Minds into the break, by the way. 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Jesse Crittenden coming up here in about 20 minutes. On the ref, let's take a timeout right here and come back and get more of your text in. More Sooner football on the way. Keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans. Old man got distracted. I was talking to the uh, front office. Okay, it, that's it's permissible. Hard, it's hard to cut off a conversation with the front office. That's very you know? true. So, but we fair. made it. Looks like All we made is it. forgiven. 405-651-3439. If you're just joining us, uh, this looks like another big week for the Sooners in recruiting. Tomorrow, Zion Raggins, the uh, four-star wide receiver, expected to commit to Oklahoma. Then on Friday uh, at 11 a.m. is what we're hearing for Taylor Tatum's announcement, five-star running back. The Sooners, I'm looking at uh, their rankings right now. The highest is on three. They're 17th, 26th in uh, 247. Talking about team rankings for this class, 2024, and number 30 in rivals. Now, also, you got to look. The average rating is pretty important because that tells you the quality of the player that you're getting. Right now, uh, the Sooners are getting 17th. Their average ra- average rating is 89.79. 
Alabama leads the way. They're 92.54. Ohio State, 92.09. Georgia, 91.86. Florida, 90.76. Frickin' Mule Shoe, 90.63. Again, Oklahoma at 89.79. The Sooners have, what is it, eight four stars and five three stars, I think, in this class. But you are getting ready to add, if things go as we think they're going to go, Zion Raggins a four-star tomorrow, and then Taylor Tatum a five-star running back on Friday. So that's going to put Oklahoma above 90 and up in the same same area, I would think, with uh, Florida and, uh, and USC. And maybe even a little bit higher. So, and then think what you have down the road potentially. I think you're going to get David Stone. Obviously, a lot of people are feeling that way, uh, particularly if you've seen the way that things have kind of gone, you know, recently with what he said about. Remember what he said to Jaden Jackson when he tweeted out the picture about Texas? That's the wrong move or something like that. But uh, think about potentially who could be in this class again down the road. Dominic McKinley, David Stone, Nigel Smith, Caden Durham, um, Will Winery, obviously, and, uh, you know, Danny Okoye, Grant Bricks, Caden Durham. I mean, that average should go way up. So, again, we talked about this last Friday, and just in case our listeners missed last Friday, if Oklahoma, again, we start looking at tomorrow, Zion Raggins. Looks like Oklahoma. Really good for Oklahoma. Friday, Taylor Tatum. Looks really, really good for Oklahoma. July 31st, Michael Patterson-McDonald. Another four-star defensive back. Local kid, obviously. Looks good for Oklahoma. Winery. Looking like it's going to happen for Oklahoma. Now, a game with a five-star kid that's recruited by everybody in the country. You never know, but uh, things look pretty good there. You think they look good for David Stone? You think they look good for... Nigel Smith, right now? I still do, yes. Dominic McKinley? I, uh, Dominic McKinley. Yeah, I think Oklahoma leads. I'm not convinced they sign him yet. But I, I'm really struggling. I need to get more familiar with how the rivals' rankings works uh, because I'm, I, I'm struggling to understand how rivals has Isaiah Autry and Jaden Jackson and Michael Hawkins and several other OU commits ranked higher than any other recruiting service, and yet Oklahoma is 30th? Per those rankings? That's I, what I'm seeing. I yeah. don't get it, but that's I'm not enough of a company man, I guess. Yeah, but uh, the bottom line is, if Oklahoma's going to get a lot of these kids we think they're going to get right now, which are some pretty big names, and again, you would have a chance to land three five-stars in back-to-back classes. We'll see. It could all start. First domino to fall five-star-wise would be Taylor Tatum on Friday. And then if you get Stone, you get Winery, then you've got three five stars in back-to-back classes, which is, you know, big time, big time. And you think basically if things stay as they are, and they never do, but if they stay as they are, and we think that Oklahoma is going to get the kids that you think are leaning pretty heavily in their direction, then Oklahoma should wind up with a class where? Five, seven range, maybe top five. What are we thinking? Six to nine range, somewhere in there. Okay. Top five, like in order to get top five, and I think there are paths to a top five class. Sands, Dominic McKinley, 
I think if you get Dominic McKinley, you could be knocking on the door of a top three class. So you're talking about McKinley, Stone, Winery, Tatum on Friday. You yeah. get four or five stars and you add, you know, Nigel Smith and you add Caden Durham and you add Grant Bricks, guys like that. That gets you in the top five, pushing for maybe even as high as three. And here come the Sooners. It'd be a heck of a class, no doubt. But uh, let's see what happens tomorrow with Zion Raggins, four-star wide receiver expected to commit to OU. Okay, 405-651-3439 on the Kennebunner Chevrolet tax line. Uh, rivals rankings have always been an absolute joke, says one listener. Well, I just, I haven't been paying attention long enough to know whether there's any shred of truth to that or not. Uh, but Mark in Newcastle says, is Parker a time traveler? Isn't that him 30 years ago in the stands for the Rudy movie? I don't know. We need a screenshot. We need a screenshot, Mark. Do I have a doppelganger? I've, I, I haven't seen Rudy in forever. I heard Rudy was a real jerk. Like the real Rudy. Ah, uh, we do have a screenshot. It's yeah, definitely not me. It's It's got a little Parker vibe there. Does but it? A little I bit, yeah. He's got it. Okay, first off, glasses. Oh, yeah. Angular face. Um... The hair's parted on the opposite side. More of a very 70s, 80s look with that hairstyle. I just love the fact that Mark stopped on that and says, there's Parker. (laughs) Uh, Glenn from Nashville says, how do you get three five stars and come up with a ninth ranked class? Who would be eight better than us? Well, the thing about it is there, there will be other schools that have three or more five stars. And there will be schools that have, even if they don't have three five stars, will have eight, nine, ten top 100 players. So the competition gets stiff at the top. And obviously I think that's, you know, I kind of tend to believe that right now Oklahoma gets Williams and Winery, David Stone and Taylor Tatum. But there's there's no guarantee that Tatum ends up a five star in the like Stone and Wanneri will be five stars and they will both probably be top five overall prospects in the country barring injury. Tatum being a running back uh, is a little bit more his ranking is a little bit more volatile on some shakier ground I suppose. But if he has the senior year that many expect him to have, then he'll cement that five star status without question. It's just, I mean, where did Oklahoma rank last year with three five stars? They ranked, I believe, fifth at the end of the process, fourth or fifth. So, yeah, three five stars, if you get them, should be enough to put you in contention for a top five class. But what you also must keep in mind is that it wasn't just about the five stars last year. Oklahoma had, what, nine top 100 players? Was that the mm, final number? I think it would might have been double digits, if I'm not mistaken. We'd have to go back and Google it up, but... Uh, and then again, think about like Lewis Carter wasn't a five star; he was a high four star. But based on what you're hearing, the uh, dude, what is he benching at three fifty six six times? Sounds like that kid's going to be a player too. So uh, it, it was a really good recruiting class. And again, you know that some of these kids that uh, maybe weren't quite as highly rated are going to end up to be really good players. That's usually the way it works out. Uh, and the thing is, if you get your three five stars, we're thinking Stone. Tatum on Friday, Winery down the road, then you would have six 
five stars in the last two recruiting classes, and four of those would be on the defensive side of the football. The others being, obviously, Jackson Arnold and Taylor Tatum. And uh, what does Oklahoma need more of? Defense, no doubt. Okay, break time right here. Thanks again to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Get out there and get ready for another big show coming up this weekend at the Showplace Theater. It's back, and it's back with a great show this weekend, Collective Soul. Still a few tickets left for the Collective Show. So show Collective Soul Show. <laughs> there it is. We need to play. Should we play? Uh, let's play Shine into the break. Shine. Yes, Collective Soul. Uh, Collective Soul coming up again this Friday night, and uh, then the next Friday night, Josh Turner, July 21st, this Friday for Collective Soul. Uh, Friday night, July 28th for Josh Turner. Uh, also Saturday, July 29th, Gabriel Iglesias. The Comedians got a sold-out show, but they've got so many great, great shows, again, coming to the Showplace Theater. How about, again, having a great meal at Riverwind on Friday night, taking uh, part in the 60K Double Play and Double Winnings promotional drawing Friday as well. And that uh, same drawing again on Saturday night, then taking in Collective Soul at the Showplace Theater. Sounds like a heck of a night to me. From our friends at Riverwind Casino, that's another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. I I still love this song. It's a, you know, because you get to go, yep. Yep. Stay with us. Coming right back, Jesse Crittenden. Oh, we got it. We got it. We got to let him say yeah one time into the break. Here it comes. Jesse Crittenden. Joining us right now on the Riverwind Casino Hotline and uh, was down at Big 12 Media Days last week, of course. So, Jesse, what was your takeaway after you heard from uh, the Sooner contingent down there? What stood out to you about what was said? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I thought there were a few interesting things, but I, I, I'd venture that Parker knows what I'm going to say. But I, I really thought the most interesting thing was was Brent's kind of admission that, that he should have given younger players last year a little bit longer of a leash, should have gotten them a little bit more playing time last year and let them play through mistakes. And I thought it was particularly interesting, not only because he he said that on an answer about Jaron Kanick, who I think is one of the young players last year that, you know, fans and some media were, were calling to, to play more. But I also thought it was interesting because he eventually used that answer to talk about how this team is in a little bit of a different place, or this 2023 team is in a little bit of a different place than last year. He thinks they have a little bit more competitive depth, particularly uh, on the de- on the defensive end. I-, I think he believes he's got young players that should play, not only because they deserve the playing time, but to try to avoid some of the fatigue issues from last year. But I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty telling that that Brent basically acknowledged that was a mistake they made, and I think it's a good sign of of where you know maybe the coaching staff is turning a corner or maybe being a little bit more flexible but either way I mean I think you look at this 2023 class they're bringing in you look at some of the young guys who were coming back from last year there's no shortage of players who could easily see the field this year so I think ultimately that was the most interesting thing I heard uh from from the players or Brent uh during Big 12 media days I'll tell you what else was interesting Jesse Brent Venables threw a little shade at Mario Cristobal. He threw a little bit of shade at Deion Sanders up at Colorado. Jesse, can it be said that Brent Venables wants the smoke? 
I I think it can. I I think it's similar to his answer about Jaron Kanick. I mean, mentioning the younger players, he did not have to do that. And I think the same thing about um, maybe a little bit of shady through. He didn't have to say that. And I think we're finding out about Brent more and more that, uh, you know, he he speaks, you know, some of his answers can be very long. But if you you dig in there, he says what he means a lot of the time. And I think it was clear that those comments he made were something he's thought about. And I think he's thought about uh, what's going on in other programs compared to some of the struggles OU went through last year. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Brent says anything he doesn't mean. I think that's something that's been on his mind for a while, and I think he was trying to maybe put some of the, uh, the struggles of last year into perspective by comparing them maybe to, to some of the other programs around. I, I definitely thought it was uh, – I think that was something he wanted to say, and he made sure he said it. He also said that the Sooners need to become a much better fourth-quarter team, and that's where depth comes into play. Um, so again, it, it sounds like Brent feels a lot better about that depth because last year, you know, he said they had zero pretty much. So, uh, that's something that they kept harking, harping on as well was the fact that more depth, more able bodies are available on this roster and the Sooners should be stronger in the fourth period. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, you go back to fourth quarters from last year. I mean, that was an issue all season long. And I think the biggest example of it was that West Virginia game where, where OU had a seven-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and they were outscored 10 to nothing in that fourth quarter. And that game goes from, you know, one that looks like I uh, probably should have been that close, but at least they pull it out on the road, to maybe the toughest or, or most embarrassing loss of the season considering the opponent and, and all those things. So, um, yeah, and I think I think, not only, I think Brent does feel confident that, that there is more depth, but I, I do think – I, I mean, it's, we're going to see how the season goes, right? Because here's the thing. The, the easy, I mean, it's easy to say these things now, right? That we're a few weeks away from the season. Um, you, know, the, you know, things can change very quickly. But the reality is I think it's going to be interesting because absolutely there's pressure on Brent Venables and this coaching staff to bounce back from last year, uh, not only because last year was disappointing, but because the SEC move is less than a year away. So I think it is going to be interesting to see uh, if there are any noticeable changes, do some younger guys um, get some more playing time? But I think he does. I think he does feel more confident this year, especially compared to last year. And I think he realizes. I mean, you can go and look at the snap counts yourself for for some of the players last year. I mean, Danny Stutzman played almost a thousand snaps last year. Uh, David Aguebu played over 900 snaps. Deshaun White played over 90 or 900 snaps. Uh, you know, Woody Washington almost played 900 snaps. Those are simply too many snaps. So I think we're going to see pretty quickly if Brent really feels like this, these young guys deserve some playing time. And I think he does. I think you're going to see that from, from week one. Some, some more guys getting into the field, some freshmen, some underclassmen. I think you're going to see a lot of that. Jesse, you mentioned right off the top Brent Venable's comment about how they should have played some of the younger guys more than they did last year, and that was an acknowledgement he was willing to make. You know, Venable's very much the type of guy, at least from what it seems, from what we know of his career, that he's not going to make the same mistake twice, at least not willingly. So looking ahead to 2023, who are some of the young guys, whether the answers are uh, right in front of your face or maybe a little bit off the beaten path, but who do, who do you think are some of these young guys, and not necessarily freshmen either, but – uh, youngsters in this program who you feel are poised to benefit from a longer leash, if you will. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great question. It's almost hard to answer because I honestly think that list could be 10 or more players. Um, but, you know, I'll give a couple of players that are returning from last year. And, Parker, I know you'll love this answer, but I think R. Mason Thomas at defensive end is at the top of that list. I expect a big season from him. He showed some things in, in reps last year. Uh, he talked about how much confident, more confident he feels during spring ball. I expect him to make an impact. I expect Gentry Williams to make an impact. And and honestly, offensively, I mean, I, I think uh, really look at the – I mean, the obvious answers would be a running back, right, with Gavin Sodchuk and, and Javante Barnes. But I look at the wide receiver group. Not only could it be someone like Nick Anderson, but I've been high – and Parker, you know this – I've been high on Gavin Freeman since last season. And I don't think it was a coincidence that when I asked Brent about that wide receiver group, Gavin Freeman is the first person he named and said he may have had as good of a, a spring ball as anybody on the offensive end. I think those are a couple of young guys that can make an impact. And then you look at this freshman class, uh, Brent mentioned Peyton Bowen by name. I, I think Peyton Bowen is somebody who could who could snatch a starting job um, from somebody pretty pretty quickly. But, I mean, it, it really is hard to, to single out anybody because you look at you know someone like Josiah Wagner at cornerback or Macari Vickers at safety. Um, I think there's a ton of guys – that can make an impact. So that's, again, I think it's easy to say some things now, but I think there are a lot of young guys who deserve a rep. And I think you're going to be able to tell pretty quickly if Brent is committing to giving some of these guys a younger leash, because I think a ton of them deserve at least some playing time. Yeah, as you said, Jesse, based on what he said, uh, you know, down at Jerry World last week, you would think that if if Peyton Bowen uh, looks like the best player, he's going to play, right? Uh, Because of... Again, uh, them thinking last year, man, we should have got these guys more reps or at least have a chance to play. He's going to play a bunch, I, I would think, pretty early. But in terms of starting, maybe that happens sooner than later, based on what Brent said. All right, are you ready for SEC Media Days in Dallas next year? Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm not going to lie. When that, when that announcement came out this morning, I mean, it, part, of the, part of the fun of the SEC or moving to SEC as far as covering the team is – Obviously, getting to see uh, you know new places and and da- but you know in Dallas is very familiar to me. But I think it's going to be pretty cool for for OU and Texas's first year in the SEC to have SEC Media Days uh, in Dallas. It makes the it makes the travel a lot easier, and I, I think it's um, it, it kind of makes me wish that uh, July of 2024 was already here. Any comments before we let you go, Jesse, on Tim Weiser's assertion that OU was an unwilling bride in the move to the SEC along with Texas? Unwilling? Um, uh, no, I mean, uh, I would be wondering what the thought process uh, behind that is besides wanting to, you know, stir some controversy. But, I mean, I think unwilling – an unwilling bride is a really – it's an interesting way to put it. I, I don't think I would agree with that. I think this is – I mean, I think you're seeing it with SEC Media Days even going on right now. I think you're seeing it with the growth um, of the SEC compared to the Big 12. I mean, I think we've, we've, we've talked on and on over and over about the benefits of the move to the SEC. And, yes, it's not all easy. It's not all going to be benefits. It's going to be difficult. But, I mean, I – I'd be I'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's objectively who's objectively looked at this move and looked at the future of college football and of these two conferences and OU in Texas and not see that this should overall be uh, it's it's the right move even if it's a difficult move it's a right move and I think OU particularly 
I think this is something they were interested in for a long time. So, I mean, I think unwilling unwilling is an interesting word already, but you throw it in with a term like unwilling. That's a, uh, I, I, cert- I guess to put it simply, I would disagree. Unwilling Bride sounds like a great old drive-in movie, you know, <laughs> or maybe a Lifetime movie with like Shannon Doherty, you know, as the unwilling bride who starts killing people because she doesn't want to get married, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that was what, what was the dude we called a Nimrod? Didn't you call him a Nimrod? Or yeah, was that Tim, no, that was you. Uh, that was Tim Weiser, who didn't sound a whole heck of a lot wiser if you ask me with that comment. And basically got body slammed by Greg Sankey because in a real match in the ring, <laughs> Greg Sankey would body slam Tim Reiser. Weiser. Weiser Reiser. Paul Reiser, Tim Weiser. Different guys. Jesse, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse's going, what have I got myself into? But, yeah, who would be in The Unwilling Bride? I'm just Shannon Doherty popped. Because you know it's going to be either a bad Lifetime movie or, like, a really a slasher film. So we need to cast The Unwilling Bride. No doubt that Tim Weiser gets killed in that movie, too, because he's the one who thought of it. Not in real life, in, in the cinema. The, un, I, the Unwilling Bride, Dennis Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, there's some, there's some ideas there. You know the text line is going to cast this with about 25 responses by the time we get back. All right, we're going to take a break. We are willing to take a break right now for our great sponsors. Coming back to you guys on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Just when you thought it was safe to walk down the aisle. The Unwilling Bride. We'll be right back. Jimbo is addressing the media right now. Is there a bigger hillbilly coach in college football than Jimbo Fisher? I mean, it's him or Neil Brown, isn't it? Neil Brown talking about Nick Bonita. Jimbo, uh, when it just comes to voice, I don't think he can be beat. Jimbo is uh, talking right now at SEC Media Days. We had Brian Kelly earlier, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner earlier, and uh, Eli Drinkwitz coming up uh, at SEC Media Days. And they did announce again that the SEC's Media Days next year for next season will be in Dallas. So how about that? All right, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, I knew that people would cast this movie. 405-651-3439 from the 405. I believe the word used was reluctant bride. Want to make sure you get the name of your movie right. I think you're right. The dude said reluctant bride. Now, here's the problem. The reluctant bride is a totally different genre. That's a rom-com. The unwilling bride is a slasher B-movie so if we want to make the slasher B-movie, we've got to go with The Unwilling Bride. There's a big difference between being unwilling and being reluctant. The reluctant bride is Cameron Diaz. You know, not sure about this guy. She's a little bit redu- reluctant. But the, uh, the divorced man's young daughter wins her over and the reluctant bride walks down the aisle. The Unwilling Bride... You know, gets suckered into a bad deal like, you know, USC and Muleshoe. And she is so upset that the chainsaws, the knives, all of the dangerous weapons and instruments come out. And it's, it's a bloodbath. 
Would you rather see the unwilling bride or the reluctant bride? I would rather see the unwilling bride. Okay. However, I guess we should we should retract our citation of Tim Weiser's comments. He did say the reluctant bride as opposed to the unwilling bride. I think um, if we're doing a script, though, we're going to write the unwilling bride. Hey, there's a listener in the 405 that says, Mule Shoe is a bigger hi- hillbilly than Jimbo. Come on now, you know this, Steely. Can a panhandler be a hillbilly? Well, I don't know, but Mule Shoe doesn't sound as that hillbilly, you know? No, he's actually lost some of that twang in his voice over I've the years. I've always said, hey, he's a very, very bright guy. I almost used the B word brilliant, and I was... But he's a very bright guy, there's no doubt about it. Jimbo is just an old country boy who knows football, you know, kind of. So, but I don't know that there's anybody out there that sounds, again, more Jed Clampett-ish than Jimbo Fisher. 405-651-3439. Glenn from Nashville says, The male lead for the reluctant bride is the original reluctant bride, Lincoln (laughs) Riley. Glenn, very nice right there in Nashville. Very nice. You got yourself a Nashville hit right there. Mac Brown is a distinguished hillbilly. That's a, See, I like Mac. When Mac was nice to me when I was here and he was doing uh, an interview with Mike Treps on a couple of occasions when he was the OC for one year at Oklahoma, Mac could have been nicer. He's a people person. Jimbo's just flat-out hillbilly. Mac just has the twang about him, you know. But, yeah, Mac, in terms of voice, he's he's close to Jimbo, but I don't think he's as bad as Jimbo, in my opinion. Okay, 405-651-3439, the unwilling bride, Alex Grinch, when Mealshoe left for SC. Hmm. A distinguished hillbilly, that's like I've always called uh, – that's a good way to put it, Mark, because Marty Smith from ESPN, you know him, Parker? Yes. Yes, of course. I've always Marty's called been, him – He's got. The hillbilly hipster. Mm-hmm. He's a hipster and a hillbilly. It's a very rare combination. But he gets out, you know, he's got that southern accent. Well, you know, here. But he's got, you know, the coiffed hair, dresses well. He is the hillbilly hipster. Mac Brown, I wouldn't say is a hipster, but he is more a, a distinguished. I don't know if I'd even. Mac sounds a little hillbilly from time to time, but Jimbo's full on. I think. He's from West Virginia. Who is the guy? Yeah, he is. Who is the guy? Oh, who is the most hick sounding on the OU staff through the years? Would it be Bobby Jack Wright? Well, hell, we kicking this on me, job. You know, like Briggs. <laughs> Bobby Jack was a classic, though. And when you've got two first names like that, there's a good chance you're going to have a hillbilly tone about you. But Bobby Jack, everybody loved Bobby Jack, and that guy could recruit his, you know, what off too. Joe John Finley has two first names. But Joe he, John he does not no, he doesn't really right. give off hillbilly vibes. That's right. Joe John is doesn't fit that hillbilly mode. You're right. From a, a listener in the four oh five, Muleshoe is a hillbilly mouse in disguise in Southern Cal. Yeah, I can see that. Brian in Tulsa says Muleshoe is the new genetic hybrid. He is now what scientists call a hill hippie. <laughs> I like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Bobby Jack was great, man. Bobby Jack was great. What a classic. All right. I have got, had some friends who lived by Bobby Jack when he was here, and they said he was tremendous. 
All right, 405-651-3439. Get ready. Reserve your spot right now on Locked In because you better get locked in right now. There are going to be hundreds of texts flowing in at this moment. You want yours read first? Get in line right now. We want to thank our friends, Dr. Bellardo and the Advanced Laser and Cataract Center today. And, of course, Justin and the crew over at Riverwind Casino. Get out there this weekend. Another big-time show at the Showplace Theater. Collective Soul happening this Friday night out at the Showplace Theater. Some tickets still available. Get your tickets at the box office there at the Showplace Theater or online at riverwind.com. Everybody have a marvelous Monday. We'll see you.